Ready to get started today? All right, I want to ask you to turn your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke, and we'll get there in just a moment, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to um, use maybe a scripture that might be a little different than what you're used to uh, on an Easter Sunday morning, but definitely going to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I, I again, want to reiterate um, that I really believe God has a great word uh, for everyone here today. And uh, I think you're going to walk away different and change than, uh, than what you, the way you came in. Mankind has been and always will be conquerors. Give a person a challenge, and you will see that person rise to that challenge and overcome. Mankind has always overcome. We have plumbed the depths of the ocean. We've walked on the moon. We have scaled the heights of the highest mountains. Put a challenge in front of us, and we will overcome it. Give us five years, 500 years, or maybe 5,000 years, but eventually we'll overcome it. But there is a problem because there is one obstacle that man has not been able to overcome. Death. We've seen the fear that people have experienced in recent months because of the possibility of dying. And when we think about death, certainly there is the much of it unknown, and yet we rely on what we know from Scripture about death. Those who are not ready to meet God should have a fear of death. But for those who are followers of Christ, not that we're looking forward to it or desire it today, but I think that death has a completely different view in our lives. We see death differently because we know the one who conquered death. We cannot conquer death, but we follow the one and have the one inside of us who has conquered death. So instead of us looking at, the, at death the way that society looks at death or the multitude of people look at death, let's find out the way Jesus views death and then let's adjust to his plan. And let's get ourselves in alignment with the way God sees death and then let's let that dictate and lead our lives. How does that sound? Well, you're in Luke chapter number seven. We're going to read starting in verse number 11. We're going to walk through about five verses throughout this message for about the next 20 minutes. We're in Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. The first thing I want to bring out this morning is there are three groups. We're going to look at 3-2-1 today, defeating death by 3-2-1. There are three groups that are mentioned here in this verse. And the first one is, of course, the disciples. They had just come off a great victory. There was a person who was very close to death and was healed because Jesus just said the word and the person was healed. So the first group that we see is the disciples. There's a large group of people following Jesus, and they are coming into this town called Nain. That's kind of how we pronounce it. It's in the Greek, it's actually Nain. 
So that's the first group. But the second group are the mourners. These are the people who were following the casket of this man who has just died. And they are distraught, they're upset, and they are in mourning. Some may actually be in depression. But the third group is actually a single person, and that is the mother of this man who has just died, who also buried her husband before him. So now she's a widow. She has no husband. Her husband has died. Now her only son is also dead. Three groups of people, the followers of Jesus, the mourners, and the widow. Now I want to ask you three questions. Which group do you most easily identify with? Is it the disciples? Yeah, they had just come off of victory. They had just had experienced so many great things. Jesus and his ministry, if you will, is on the rise. People are starting to follow him and crowd around him. He's uh, healing. He's bringing deliverance. He is teaching people. And there are people that are following him. So the disciples, man, everything's on the rise. Everything's going up. Maybe that's how you're experiencing life in this season. Everything's going up. My family's doing great. My marriage is great. My singleness is great. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> My business is doing great. I just got a promotion. I just got a raise. My education. Everything's on the up. And I would declare to you that God has a word for you. Possibly the next thing on the agenda is more influence and, and just going higher and higher. And even if God says, well, yeah, we're going to take you higher, but there might be some pruning to do. It might be a season where God's going to say, this, this is growing in the wrong direction. We're going to prune that so that you can even bear more fruit and have more influence. Or possibly you would more easily identify with the mourners. Maybe it doesn't seem like your life's going up, but it's going down. You're trying to bear other people's burdens, and it's getting heavy. It's getting wearisome. Maybe things in your own life appear to be headed toward the cemetery. And you're thinking, man, I, I need some help. How, how is this going to be sustainable? Perhaps you would identify more easily with the widow. Maybe you would say, I feel like death's all around me. This might be the first Easter that you're experiencing without your spouse, without your, a parent, without a child. You feel like death, it just seems like death's all around me. I don't like this. I don't like this season that I'm in. Everything seems to be going down. Which group do you most easily identify with? That's the first question. But the second question is, are you open to God's possibilities for your life today? Are you open to say, God, what are you saying to me today? What is the next step in this season or exiting this season into a new season? Are you open for God's possibilities in your life? And secondly, are you willing to say yes to God? Are you willing to maybe go against the crowd, maybe go against your friends, but are you willing to say yes to God today in order to get to where he wants you to go and to experience what he wants you to experience? There are three groups of people here, the disciples, the mourners, and the widow. But then there are two statements that I want to look at, and we'll read those in verses 13 and 14. Let's read that. Verse 13 says, When the Lord saw her, saw the widow, his heart went out to her, and he said, 
Don't cry. <laughs> what? The Bible says when Jesus saw the widow, his heart went out to her. Other translations would say he had compassion for her. He was moved with compassion. And you would think that if he's moved with compassion, he would probably do something like console her. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's going to be okay. We're praying for you. But instead, he makes a statement to her that you look at it and you think, wow, what is Jesus doing? He's telling her, don't cry. That's just not something that you usually say to someone who's burying their only son, who's now a widow, who has been a widow, and they're in mourning. They're, they're in a difficult time, one of the most difficult times of their life, but yet Jesus says, don't cry. God will tell you to do things that are against natural behavior. There are times when God instructs us to do something that just looks like it's so different and because it is. But why does he do that? He does that because he knows the future and you and I don't. He knows what's going to happen and you and I don't. And so God comes along and he prompts us and inspires us and talks to us and tells us to do things that are against the natural process, such as mourning at your son's funeral. He comes along and he says, listen, don't cry. That's an unusual statement. Are you ready to hear God tell you to do something that is against the natural process of what you've been going through right now? The natural process of doing life, and God is saying to you, hey, I want you to do something different. I want you to change it up. Jesus says these things because he knows what's coming. The next thing that happens there in verse number 14, then he went up and touched the buyer or the casket. They were carrying the body in, and the bearers stood still. Now, this is kind of an interjection right here. We're not yet to the second statement. It's interesting that Jesus goes up and he touches the coffin, the buyer is what they called it. It was a wicker mat that they laid a dead body on. And there were pallbearers, if you will, those who were carrying the mat, carrying the dead body. And they were taking it out to the cemetery. And they would hook ropes to it or put ropes under it and lower the body down into the hole. And he walks up and he touches that coffin. And they stood still. I believe that God is speaking to some people today because you really feel like what you're doing and everything that's happening in your life, it seems like it's headed toward the cemetery. You're in that season. You're in that feeling. Maybe you've done some things wrong. Maybe you've been not making wise decisions. Or maybe you're saying, I'm, I'm trying to follow God. I'm, I'm doing the deal here. I'm following Jesus. But it just seems like I'm in a season where everything's going downhill. Are you ready for God to touch you today? Because when you, he touches you, that's the time to say, okay, stop. I need to pay attention to what is happening. And God comes along and touches the very thing that we're carrying, that we're heading in a direction downhill, and he touches us and stops. There are times in our lives when we experience that. I remember it was a, a couple of times in Lisa and I's lives when, you know, we've had our ups and downs as far as ministry and, and life and all of that. It was a time when uh, I had, was not pastoring and I was painting houses, and uh, something I don't recommend. But um, I, was, I was painting, and I had only been painting about a year, year and a half, 
And uh, it had been about two or three weeks since I had any work at all. Savings gone, everything's gone. We're just like needing money like now. I haven't worked in weeks. I'm just waiting, begging God for the phone to ring, for somebody to call me. And the phone rings. And I get a call from a guy named Bill. He says, hey, Chris, uh, you did some work for a friend of mine, and I need my house painted. Would you come out and uh, you know, give me a quote on painting the house? And I said, you know, I just happened to have an opening this afternoon. I could come over and take a look. So I went over to his house, and he wanted several rooms on the inside of his house painted. He walks me through the house, and so I quickly tabulate, and I'm like, I, I need this job. I need this. He's going to get a good deal. <laughs> so it was like $1,900 to do this work, and so I said, yeah, it'll be, it'll be $1,900. He said, okay, great. So on the outside, I'm going like, oh, oh, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. On the inside, I'm going, yes! <laughs> and then he said something that kind of shocked me. He said, uh, you want me to go ahead and give you a check? On the outside, I went, yeah, sure, that'll be fine. On the inside, I'm going, yes! <laughs> and then he goes over to his desk, and he sits down, and he writes out a check. He signs it. He says, who do I make the check out to? I said, C-H-R-I-S. <laughs> he hands me the check, and I take a look at it, and it's $1,900. I met the man 30 minutes ago. We've never met, he doesn't know me, and he's handing me a check for $1,900. On the outside, I was going, thank you. On the inside, it's like backflips, just, you know. <laughs> there are times when it seems like everything's going downhill and it just takes the touch of Jesus to turn it around. Are you ready for that touch? Because God's ready to touch you. But here that leads us to the second statement that I want to talk to you about. So he touches the coffin, everyone stops, and he says, young man, I say to you, get up. All of a sudden, Jesus has this way of, of again, reiterating these statements that go against nature, they go against the natural process, and he says to him, get up. There are times in our lives when Hearing God, we've just got to get up. We can't just stay there. We've got to get up because Jesus has a way of speaking his will into existence. He makes statements that changes the course of nature. He says to a storm in the middle of the sea, peace, be still. He says to water at a wine, he says to water at a wedding, become wine. He says to a, a young man's lunch, you're going to feed a multitude. God has a way of speaking his will into our lives. And we just got to listen and say, yes, God, that's what I want. And so here Jesus is wanting to speak to you and to me today. And he's wanting to say, get up, get up. I've got more for you. This is not the end of the road. I've got more for you. I'm going to take you to places you've never been to before that you've not even imagined before because my spirit is in you and I have a purpose for what I'm doing in your life. And yes, I love you. And yes, I like you. And so God wants to speak to us. We see here that Jesus said he would die and then he said he would rise again. He made that very clear and very plain. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born or born out of a sequential time. It's amazing that the, the birth, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most provable facts in all of history. Now, Jesus appeared to so many people at different times and in different places, and even over 500 people at one time. You know, some people would say, well, the disciples were just hoping that he would be raised from the dead, and so therefore they just kind of hallucinated that, that, that he rose from the dead. You know, there's never, ever been a situation where 500 people had the same hallucination at the same time. It's never happened. He appeared to 500 people all at the same time. And at the writing of this, he's saying many of them are still alive. Some of them have already passed on, fallen asleep, but many of them are still alive. And you could go check it out right now. You could go and have a, testi- a, a talk with them. They could give testimony to Christ's resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is provable. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Here, the writer is referencing, he said, I want to bring this encouragement to you because of the resurrection. He says, brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. He's saying because Jesus died on the cross, was buried and resurrected, then what that means for you is that if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, the gift that He gave us of eternal life, then when this body stops, He's saying that's not the end. We mourn those who pass away, and we should. But we do not mourn without hope. We mourn with hope. Our tears are filled with hope. Our sobbing is filled with hope because we recognize the fact We will see them again in Christ. We will not be separated for eternity. We are separated for a moment of time. But we are not going to mourn like those who have no hope. We mourn with great amounts of hope. Why? It's not because the person was a good person. It's not because they were a better person than most people. It is because Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And he is the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that is our hope. So Jesus says these two statements. He says, don't cry. And he says, get up. Maybe that's a word for you today. The time of sorrow has ended. Now it's time to get up. Are you willing to say yes to God? Well, there's one last thing. There were three groups. There were two statements, but there was one gift. And that, of course, is in the next verse, verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to talk. I I just want to pause right there. And... um, I'm I'm saying, Holy Spirit and Luke, spill the beans. Okay, it just says a dead man got up and started talking. What did he say? You know, wouldn't you like to know what he said? Like, come on, Holy Spirit, just give us something, a morsel, anything, nothing. He just began to talk. But what's important in that verse is what happens next. The Bible says Jesus 
gave him back to his mother. What a gift. What a gift. He just, it's a, it's, it's a presentation to say, here, here he is again. What Jesus is saying was, what happened to him, I'm bigger than. Yeah, what happened to him was death. It's real life death. He, he's gone. But now he's back because I am bigger than death. I am more powerful than death. And he, knowing what was to come, understood that there would be a time when he would be murdered, if you will. He would surrender his life and be killed, and that he would rise again, showing everyone that he is more powerful than death. But in the meantime, he's saying on these isolated incidences when he was raising people from the death, such as Lazarus, he's saying, I want you to know I'm bigger than death. I'm more powerful than death. Therefore, we do not grieve like the rest of people when we approach death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says it so succinctly. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, Christ too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He's saying Christ took on flesh and blood just like you and I have so that he could be the one to defeat death and take that power away from the devil and therefore we don't have to fear. Therefore, we can look at death from a whole different perspective because Christ conquered death. There was a... Um, a father and a son, and they were walking down the road on the sidewalk one day, and the father was trying to explain to the son about death. They had just experienced a death in the family, and the boy had a lot of questions, and he didn't really understand it, and, and about eternal life, and he's trying to figure it out. He's, he's in church, but he's, he's just not understanding. Normal, natural. So the father is trying to help the boy understand about death and Christ and the cross and eternity. And he's, he's trying to speak this boy's language. And he sees a truck, a big cargo truck coming down the road. And as the sun was setting, the shadow of that truck was falling across the sidewalk that they were on. And the truck was coming down the road. And he said, son, look at this truck. And then look at its shadow. And as the truck went by them, the shadow passed over them. He said, listen, son, when Jesus hung on the cross, the truck hit Jesus. All we have to deal with is the shadow. It has no power over us. The truck hit Jesus. Whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your life, the biggest obstacle that mankind has ever faced and has never overcome is death. But we have one who has overcome it, and that's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so therefore, all we have to worry about is the shadow of death. And perhaps David had an understanding of that when he wrote Psalm 23. I can walk through that valley of the shadow of death. I don't have to fear. I do not have to worry about my eternity. Amen? An interesting thing that happens when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior 
is immediately Jesus gives us this understanding and even if I can say confrontation of the issue of death. Because he says, here's a communion, something we celebrated last week. He says, here's communion. These are symbols of what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says to them, he says, as often as you do this now, do it in remembrance of me, the past, and do this until I come back, the future. In communion, we see the encapsulation of past, present, and future. And then he also, we, we're also led into water baptism, which is what we're going to have in just a, a few moments. And what is water baptism? But a confrontation of death to where we as believers of Christ say, you know what? My old way of living, my old way of thinking, even my old way of looking at death has died when I accepted Christ as my Savior. That old way of living is now gone. I have been given a new spirit. I've been given a new heart. And therefore, I'm going to live from that new heart. And I want to show everybody here today that my old way, my old life is now dead and buried. And now I have been resurrected to walk in newness of life. See, from the very onset, Jesus is always giving us these reminders, death, burial, resurrection. Christ conquered death. We don't have to worry about it. I'm going to ask you this. When you think about death, are you scared? Are you upset? Does it unnerve you because you don't know Christ? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Now, maybe you were raised in a Christian home, but it, it just didn't, it didn't happen. It just didn't make sense at the time. You were young, but now as you're older, maybe this is the time when you're realizing, hey, maybe this makes sense. I get it now. Well, this is your opportunity today to say, you know what? I recognize it. I need Christ. I need Christ in my life because I'm afraid to die. I'm, I'm afraid of this, this thing that I can't conquer. And I would share with you today, no one in this room can conquer death. But we have one who has, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So will you accept Christ today as your Savior? Perhaps you're watching online and you're saying, yeah, this makes perfect sense. God conquered death for us. Why? Because he loves us and he likes us. He likes you and he loves you. And therefore he did this. Will you accept Christ today as your savior?